Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Chelsea Frank Lampard to my Derby Frank Lampard. It's Justin Peach. Hello Ryan. There's still not too much difference between those. Well Justin, the one comparison you could make between us and Frank Lampard on both occasions is that we haven't actually earned the position that we're in. Justin, how are you? I'm I'm very good. Very, very good. I'm, I'm really confused by the football. Mainly because... I, I was expecting a full fixture of games and then sort of catch up um, last night and there wasn't. Yeah, it was just six games, which is really messing with this show. I don't know who's in charge of it, but they've clearly got something against us because we've had four games at the weekend and now we've only got six in the midweek games. But nonetheless, we are still here to serve you, listener, in giving you your dose of championship action. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us, wherever you are. Uh, This is a midweek edition, edition of the second tier, where we give you a rundown of all the games from Tuesday and Wednesday night in the championship but more importantly before we get onto that Justin you told me just before we start recording that you managed to trap your little toe in the door just before you came into the studio yeah so okay that's a nice little story to start the podcast with um obviously we record quite early um in my haste to make a coffee get the laptop set up etc I rammed my I rammed the bathroom door on my little toe and it got trapped under I, I had to pull it out for some reason, I didn't push it or I pulled my toe out and it was horrible. <laughs> and how is your little toe now? It's actually throbbing, it's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Well, let's crack on with some games then, Justin. And we'll start with a massive game at the top of the championship at the Liberty Stadium between Swansea and Brentford. It finished one all, despite Swansea being down to 10 men for the last 20 minutes of the game. When you consider the man advantage and some of the chances Brentford had... They'll be disappointed they didn't get all three points here, won't they? Massively, massively. And one, just one quick point on this. You know, hats off to Sky for selecting Hibs Rangers. Uh, yeah, what's Instead that of this game, because this game, I was what I think it was Andy Hinch- Hinchcliffe covering it on Sky, and it sounds like a really good game. So yeah, thanks, Sky. You knobheads. Well, <laughs> also with that. The SPL is a bit of a one-sided league at the moment, isn't it? Rangers are absolutely exactly. running away with it. So why would you wouldn't have the game on between two teams fighting for promotion in what is a very tight promotion race in the Championship this season? I have no idea. Uh, you, you say it was a great game. It was very one-sided. Swansea had just two shots to Brentford's 21. Um, but Swansea did a job, really, on Brentford. It was a... Uh, it was, well, the, the big talking point from the game was Swansea's goal, where David Rea was 
he, he was challenged for the ball that was put into the box, wasn't he? And, um, well, Brentford was saying he was obstructed, but I wasn't too sure about that. What were you? What were your thoughts? It's interesting when you say Swansea did a job. They they definitely did a job. And then they some. They targeted David Rea all, all game. I saw some of the t- uh, challenges on him, which doesn't normally happen to a goalkeeper. So it, you can say that he's, he's very influential to how Brentford play with his distribution. So I think that's one of the reasons why. But the, the goal, the Swansea goal, for example, it was it was a clear elbow to the face. Not a... Not a nasty elbow, you know, the ones we see that are deliberate. It was perhaps deliberate to try and stop him, but there wasn't a lot of contact. But for me, it was a foul and it shouldn't have been a goal. I wasn't so sure. I thought I thought it was a fair goal. I mean, when it comes to goalkeepers getting too much of an advantage when it comes to those situations, I'm usually one of the people who defends goalkeepers. You're a former goalkeeper yourself. Um, I am a former goalkeeper. Field Lane, under 16, extraordinaire. (laughs) (laughs) But um, in this case, I did think it was a completely fair challenge. I uh, do think goalkeepers do get maybe too much of a fair share. If if we're talking about a spectrum of challenges on goalkeepers, that was towards the rougher end for me. There are softer ones that get given. Um, but I think the fact that Jake Bidwell's elbow goes into David Rea's face, it's it's incredibly... I, I, I think it's an, an obstruction for David Rea to get the ball because it's no one got any contact on it, um, on it from a Swansea perspective. It goes straight in from Conor Hurahain. That means it's gone straight through David Rea's um, line of where his hands up, where hands would be, where he gets it. But before he can get his hands up there, he gets an elbow to the face. For me, in any area of challenge, when you get an elbow to the face, that's a that's a free kick. I mean, we could, spend all, we could spend all day on this talking about it. Oh, Either yeah. way, it is a, a one point each for both sides. And I think, in a way, the fact that Swansea have managed to come out of this with a point despite being down to 10 men for the last 20 minutes of the game, I think it shows how good a coach Steve Cooper is. Because you don't really associate Swansea with being a bit of a shit outside, but they've managed to do it on this occasion. And I think it shows the uh, versatility that Steve Cooper has as a coach, where um, he knows they're not necessarily going to win the possession game. Um, I know Swansea are a very good possession side, but Brentford are equally as good, if not better. And he's managed to come out of it and get a point. Um, Do you agree with that? I do. I think he's developing as a coach. That comes with experience. There's not many too. There's not too many young coaches that get that experience like Steve Cooper's got now. And um, credit to Swansea for sticking with him because there were times I think last season where fans were getting impatient, but they stuck with him and he's he's starting to to reap the benefits with that team. Definitely, Swansea is still second on 47 points. Brentford just two points behind on 45, but have got a game in hand. Let's move on to one of the biggest shocks. Maybe not just of the midweek games, but possibly of the season in the championship, Justin. Middlesbrough nil, Rotherham three. I think, if anything, sums up how unpredictable this damn league is, then this has got to be it. Because Middlesbrough's home form is outstanding. Well, Rotherham haven't won in a good couple of months uh, away from home. And here we are seeing them cruise past a very sturdy Middlesbrough side. I don't think it's that much of a surprise. I think... With Borough's um, injury, not crisis, but a fair few first teamers out injured, and Robin, obviously Robin beat Derby the other week away from home, um, 
and I think before this they'd only won four games away from home. I don't think it's that much of a surprise based on how Rotherham are playing at the moment. Um, in midweek they were great. Uh, sorry, that the weekend they were great. Um, they're a side that are getting better with every week, and that's that's down to Paul Warren. The what what he's getting out of those players, it it, it does remind me of some old Warnock teams. Uh, his old Rotherham team, for example, the the way they're running for each other is is fantastic. And um, this was a comprehensive comprehensive win with some key players playing very very well. The thing is, Rotherham could have had more. It could, the scoreline could have been um, even bigger than it was. And that's an amazing thing to say when you consider um, how you would have expected Borough to get the three points before the game. Uh, you say this Rotherham side reminds you of an old Warnock side. I'll tell you who it reminds me of. And um, you tell me if you agree. It actually reminds me a bit of Wigan from last season because it's an unfashionable team. It's... And I don't mean this with any disrespect. It's not fashionable coaching Paul Warren as well, but he's managing to get the best out of this side. And halfway through the season, you'd have probably said Rotherham were almost destined to get relegated. But now you look at the state of things. They've got loads of games in hand. And I think they've got a decent chance of staying up. The way they're playing at the moment, their their performances are very good, even if the results aren't necessarily going their way. And I'm starting to think they could go on not as much of a Wigan-style run from last season because that run from Wigan (laughs) in terms of results was extraordinary. But they could very well put a a, a series of decent results together and climb out of the relegation zone. What do you think? It's an interesting question. Someone asked me that last night and I disagreed with them. Um, Mm. But the point you made actually sort of swung me around a bit they are you, you are right in saying they are a little bit like Wigan I think the difference with Wigan is they had a, I think they had a better calibre of player and that's no disrespect to, to, to Rotherham they had the, you know the likes of Kiefer Moore Jamal Lowe Sam Morsey these are these are all players who were went for would have gone for five six million pounds had it not been for yeah. the, the financial crisis at, um, at, at Wigan um, with their ownership but yeah they, 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 there is a lot to like about them they don't play Direct football, as you'd associate with um, a Rotherham side, with the players that they've got, a lot of big players. They play really quite high-pressing kind of football. It's not to the same extent like a Barnsley, for example, but the way they press teams and the way they work their game plans is really, really good and really, really clever. Um, and I think there's there's got to be more value and light shine, uh, shine on this Rotherham side. Yeah, they get in your face, don't they? they well, do. they've got, also got some talented players. The likes of Barlazer in midfield is an outstanding player. Matty Crooks was fantastic yesterday. Yeah. On Sunday, he's another player I'm a massive fan of. So there is a lot to like about this Rotherham side. Just quickly on Middlesbrough, Justin, because this is a shocking result, really, isn't it? And they, they are going through a bit of a sticky patch at the moment, aren't they, Middlesbrough? There was plenty of frustration from Neil Warnock at the performance after the game. And there's also been a lot of frustration from him in terms of their transfer business as well. Um I mean, there was frustration from him about their transfer business in the summer as well, but he's really struggled to get players in in January. And he's even admitted that he's tried. He says they missed out on two players in the last 24 hours or 48 hours in terms of when we've started recording this podcast. Um, one player he's mentioned potentially coming in is Yannick Bellassi. Do you think that would work? Yeah, I think so. Um, you, I think he was, was at Aston Villa, wasn't he, two, three seasons ago now? Well, he's had quite a few spells, hasn't he? And yeah. it seems like ages since he actually had a home and was playing regular football. I think you're talking when he was at Palace. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the way Warner gets um, the best out of players, you'd, you'd start to see a Palace form Balassi, which is frightening for other teams. But I, I go back to his, his Villa time, um, and his loan got cut short, bizarrely. Um, probably because of salary, I imagine. He's, he was on a fair whack at Everton. Mm. Um so yeah, he he would be a very good signing, but I think there's uh, this Borussia side needs a lot more. The scoring goals is still an issue. Um, creating chances isn't necessarily the main one, but yeah, scoring them is. Well, you say scoring chances. They've had Ashley Fletcher come back, which you'd hope would help out in that um, in that department because they've been lacking a goal scorer all season, creating plenty of chances, just lacking someone finishing them off. And now he's back after having quite a bad injury. Uh, but I think Yannick Balassi would also be a very, very good sign if they managed to get back to form. Uh, let's go to Mick McCarthy's first match in charge for Cardiff, Justin. That was away at Barnsley. It finished 2-2 with Cardiff coming from two goals down. Uh, Barnsley were the better team and will be disappointed they couldn't hold on to the win. But for Mick McCarthy to get a team low on confidence, uh, to get a point when two goals down and playing one of the most efficient sides in the league, you've got to give him props, haven't you? You have, and we saw two things last night that we haven't seen from a Cardiff side this season or seen very often from a Cardiff side this season. Number one is a goal from open play. Wow. Yeah, it's a historic moment. Exactly, and and the second one is is uh, a desire to get back into a game, um, because they've they've gone goals down and they've they've not looked like scoring. But you know, credit to them because this this could be I would say a turning point because I don't think they're going to get into the playoffs. But this could be an upturning form for for Cardiff because McCarthy's got to go in and try and balance the ship and potentially try and get into the playoffs. But as I say, it's it seems a stretch too far. But what we saw last night was. As I say, something we've not seen for a long time. I think it takes a great deal of man management to get a side low in confidence and drag them back to get a point, um, doesn't it? And Mick McCarthy's probably one of the best man managers in the league. He picked an interesting team, Justin. Sean Morrison and Harry Wilson were both dropped and Aidan Flint played his first Cardiff game of the season, which raised a few eyebrows for me and I suppose most of the Cardiff fan base as well. What do you make of that selection? Well, Cardiff had defended pretty poorly all season and it, it didn't change um, in this game at times. I think the the first Barnsley goal was a, it was a really nice cross um, from the right, but then Mads Anderson had an uninterrupted run to get onto that on the end mm. of the cross. So it doesn't seem to me that much has changed. Um, it could be a mentality thing. I don't know. I'm not I'm not in that squad or a world-renowned coach, so I, I, I couldn't possibly put my finger, put my finger on it. But... I think he's trying to get a reaction from the players, which is what new managers want to do. Um, a good example is Thomas Tuchel coming in and making seven changes for Chelsea. Um, they, they come in, new managers, they come in and yeah, they want to try and not upset the apple cart, but they want to make them good players know that they've got a job to get back into the team. Yeah, you, you, yeah, it's a case of your place in the team is not safe, isn't it? And you've got to work hard to get back into the team. Harry Wilson was a bit surprising because he's been... Even though Cardiff haven't been doing very well recently and he's not been scoring or contributing to many goals this season, he's still been playing quite well by most accounts. Sean Morrison, I, I, I look at that and I think to myself, maybe it's a case of you pick the biggest um, bloke in the um, <laughs> in the group and just say, right, you're out the team as a kind of way to say, right, I'm in charge here. And what I say, what I say goes, basically. Um 
I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't know, but there you go. Um, Keith Moore got his first goal in nearly two months after missing a lot of it through injury. Do you think Big Mick would be able to get the best out of him? Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think back to players um, Mick McCarthy's managed. Um, well, Keith Moore's one of them. Uh, well, with uh, Ipswich, Mick McCarthy. Oh, okay. When um, he was at Keith Moore was playing for Forest Green, picked him up for what. 10 grand, I think, um, had an Ipswich. He didn't play very much. He was just coming off the bench. And I'll be honest, I was covering Ipswich at the time. He looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's obviously gone on to great things. So Mick McCarthy obviously saw something in him and um, he was right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, as I say, trying to think back to strikers, uh, Sylvain Ibanks Blake had that one season where he was top scorer, top goal scorer, and didn't. Daryl Murphy. Daryl Murphy's a really good example because he's a similar physicality to Kiefer Moore perhaps mm. I think Kiefer Moore's got a bit more about him but he turned Daryl Murphy into a 15-20 goal striker consecutively well Kiefer Moore you could argue already is a 15-20 goal striker but he could make him even better um, and that's only good for Cardiff really isn't it also a brilliant header by Cully Woodrow for the first goal uh, just quickly because we've really got to move on Justin but I was pissing myself at one moment in particular in this game, the ball's gone into the Cardiff box and it's headed away back out wide to Cardiff's junior Hoyler. He tries to clear it and instead slices it back into danger. In fact, that's not even doing it justice. He's pretty much sliced it into the six yard box <laughs> and uh, Barnsley eventually go on to score, but it's ruled out. Um, I've no idea how you can get it so wrong as a professional footballer, but I'm glad he did. This was also Barnsley's first draw since October. They really could have done with a win, though, couldn't they? Because three straight losses before this, albeit against teams in the top six, but the sticky patch was um, it's let other teams climb ahead of them. Let's go to Coventry 2, Wednesday nil. It seems like ages since we've seen these two play. Wednesday haven't had a league game since New Year's Day, while Coventry haven't, have only played one game since the 2nd of Jan. So, mad, really. But it was a straightforward victory for Cov in the end, wasn't it? It was, and it was down to individual quality. Callum O'Hare, wow. Oh, wow. The, the turning assist for the first goal was unreal, and the pass for the second was unreal. Um, yeah, he's such a good player. He's such a good number 10. A free transfer. Yeah, it's shocking that they managed to get him for free. The thing is, it, it's, it's one of those where we've seen him plenty of times this season pull off those... Um, bits of quality and you think to yourself wow what a player it just doesn't happen enough but if he manages to get a bit more consistency into his game um, then he could go on to be one hell of a player as you say the first assist in particular was just superb dancing away from two Wednesday players before playing that inch perfect pass to Victor Jorquez was amazing Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah he's also a very good young player and he's got a big future ahead of him in a in football uh, I want to focus on Wednesday for a bit because I feel like their manager situation as I say they've only played one game in the month of January and the manager situation still hasn't been sorted out in that time um, we kind of saw it happen last season as well didn't we when Gary before Gary Monk got appointed it was uh, Lee Bullen wasn't it yeah, he was the caretaker yeah. manager and that took months to uh, eventually get sort out, sorted out. And the same seems to be happening here. Why don't they just appoint a manager now? Because if they don't sort someone out soon, then they're going to get relegated, aren't they? Yep, spot on. Um, it's this it's lack of long-term planning. You look at other sides who have a succession of managers lined up. I think um, an example I've used in the past is Swansea, back when 
Roberto Martinez was was um, was in charge. They had a, a managed to do have a, had a similar style of play, which is why they've gone for Paulo Sosa, Brendan Rodgers, Michael Laudrup, and they, they've reaped the benefits of it. Um, I don't think many teams do it too often nowadays, but it's just a lack of long term planning. You look at last season, as you say, Lee Bullen, Derby have suffered this, a, a similar fate, and it's these teams that are after immediate success that think that they can immediately bring somebody in, but who in their right, right mind wants to go to a Wednesday team that have had off-the-field issues this season, are down in the bottom three, have been down in the bottom three for the majority of the season, and who cannot create chances. There is either who cannot create chances. They, they're, unfortunately, a team for me that are destined for League One at this rate. Um, so really, it's building on for next season. So it's it's a sorry situation, and unfortunately, it's down to the lack of long-term planning, which has been a, an issue for them for the last three or four years. It's hard to disagree, unfortunately. It's going to take a manager who is either very desperate to get back into football or Wednesday to really fork out and offer them a massive amount of wages for any decent manager to go there. Because if I was a manager and I looked at the situation at Wednesday, I wouldn't want to go there. Look how far off they are from the rest of the league. The chairman has an interesting way of working. Um, It's not a very attractive proposition and the squad itself isn't exactly full of quality either. I mean, you've got some quality players in there, but not all over the pitch. There are plenty of gaps in that side. And if they had a new manager and if they installed a new manager a couple of weeks ago, they could have said, right, these are the positions we need to strengthen, bring in this player, this player, this player. And they could have had a decent shot at staying up. If not, they get relegated and they're ready to go again in League One and try to go back up straight away. Excuse me. But that's not happened. And the fact now that they are coming to the end of the transfer window without a new manager in place, I just struggle to see how they're going to pull themselves out of this. Or at least giving it Neil Thompson until the end of the season. Yeah, at least have some stability and just say, right, you're in charge for the rest of the season. You're the man who we believe is going to at least give us a decent crack of staying up. Just something, just give us some clarity. If you just sit in the same position you are now with a caretaker manager, nothing's going to get solved. Just let's have a quick break and then we'll go through all the games from Tuesday night, uh, including Millwall Watford and Bristol City Huddersfield. It's a little-known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of classic football shirts here because they offer you classic football shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it. And I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the second tier podcast justin how's your toe sorry i'm just looking at it now and i think it's swelling up so good 
fantastic. There, there's your little toe update, ladies and gentlemen. We'll bring you another one on Sunday, if I remember. Uh, there was a thorough shithousing at Ashton Gate as Bristol City beat Huddersfield 2-1. Bristol City had just four shots to Huddersfield's 26. You love to see it, Justin. Uh, yeah, this was this was a strange one because, as you say, they got absolutely battered. Absolutely battered. It was, a, it was a very again, a very good game. Um, there was a lot of woodwork being hit I don't know why I said it like that um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of saves from Daniel Bentley which is something that we've not, not we're not really surprised by but yeah it was it was a very one-sided game and it was a very good 10 minutes from Bristol City which has unfortunately seen them edge a very productive Huddersfield yeah it has for Mara was the man who got both the goals for Bristol City just two in four minutes which is pretty good going in fairness uh, but there's been a lot of talk about his contract situation Justin because he wants to sign a new deal I think his deal expires in the summer Bristol City fans especially after this game were saying just give him a new deal as Bristol City would you give him a new deal it's, a, it's an interesting one because there's so many variables um, mainly I think he'll be angling for a little bit more um, also, he's, he's made. I think he's made seven starts this season, which isn't enough for a for a first team striker. Um, and financially, can Bristol City afford to give him a top a top contract? I don't think they can. They've they've thrown money at players in the past. Look at Naki Wells, for example, five million pounds, three year deal for a player who's in the th- uh, who was thirty when he joined. Um, I can't I can't see it happening. To be honest with you, I think he's going to leave. Um, and it's a shame, but that's the way that the football is at the moment. You can't, they can't, teams can't afford to throw money at players or give players what they actually want. It's it's a shame, but it is what it is. I think as well because he was signed for a decent amount of money initially. Yeah. Once he, I imagine he must be on a fair bit. So with that being said, I can't imagine they. Um, can really afford to keep paying so much for a player who, as you mentioned, hasn't really started that many games this season. The manager might not necessarily be as keen on him as he is on the likes of Chris Martin and what have you. So, unfortunately, we might be seeing the final few months of Mara Jeju, but he is a he is a decent player, isn't he? He's, you can, if he were to start every single game in a season, you can guarantee he would get at least double figures in a yeah, season. Yeah. And he's a decent hold-up player as well. So he has got qualities, it's just maybe his wage demands aren't necessarily matching up with his actual ability um, but a good result for Bristol City really isn't it they're still hovering around the playoff places just three points behind Bournemouth at the moment it's very much a win-loss 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 situation in, the, in terms of the form but could they possibly embarrass us when it comes to our predictions uh, just a couple of weeks ago Justin when we were saying Bristol City could be the team to drop down the table I want to say yes because I've, I said it at the start of the season um, that I, I, I do like this Bristol City side, but I think on on the balance of it, probably not. Um, the win loss, win loss. There'll be teams that pick up uh, a more consistent run of form. But is this progress from Bristol City? Are we seeing a team that has stepped away from being consistently inconsistent and now they're just uh, no, they are cons- they are still consistently inc- inconsistent, aren't they? Yes, they are. But in a so better confusing. way. But yeah. in a better way. They're not. They're not unbeaten for ten and then losing ten. They're actually winning games more often. Yeah, they are. Um, let's move on to Huddersfield because it's four straight losses for them now. It's a very concerning run of form at the moment, and the Huddersfield fans are very concerned about the way it's going. Justin, I'm going to pose you a question. Do you think Huddersfield 
could get dragged into a relegation battle. As it stands, they're 14th, but only 8 points above the relegation zone. They've played more games than most of the teams below them, and as mentioned, are in a torrid run of form. And they've had quite a few injury problems as well. There are a lot of um, cons going against them at the moment. So I do pose the question, could they, be, could they slide down the table at an alarming rate in the near future? It's an interesting question. I don't think they will. Um, you've got teams like Birmingham, Forest, uh, that, are, that are below them. They're, they're two sides that are nearer to the relegation zone um, and probably more fitting in the profile of a relegation contender. The amount of chances Huddersfield created against Bristol, T- against Bristol City uh, and the amount of chances they consistently create, for me, is why they're not going to finish in the relegation zone. It's just putting those chances away. Um, I think it was uh, the first... Um, incident in the game where Lewis O'Brien skips through half the Bristol City team and he hits a post. On another day that goes in. It's just a, a little bit of luck that isn't going their way. Campbell hit the bar from a penalty as well. They're, they'll be fine. They're, they're, there's no way they're going to get dragged into a relegation battle. But me saying that now, I've probably jinxed it. I was going to say, no way that they'll get dragged into a relegation battle. I'm it's very quite confident a strong statement. Um, I mean, we've seen in the past, just last season, we had Wednesday and Hull both going on terrible winless runs um, and you can never rule it out with any side in the championship really can you uh, with the way Huddersfield are going at the moment I think they might get dragged into it it's got to be said the teams that are down there as you quite rightly pointed out uh, some of the teams down there are very poor <laughs> so it's um, going to take something special for them to actually get relegated but for them to be looking over their shoulder I think they might be at the moment uh, and it's also worth pointing out the injury problems they've had as well have not helped them whatsoever. Let's go to the final game of the midweek games, Justin. That's Millwall nil, Watford nil. Not a pretty game. Watford had the better chances, but nothing <coughs> substantial. Millwall hit the post in the first half. I think it's a much bigger result for Millwall than it is Watford. Would you agree? Yes, Watford. Uh, Millwall needed this more. I think the fact that they haven't had many clean sheets in the last... Um, uh, well, previous eight, one, one, one clean sheet in the previous eight. So to get a clean sheet against a team chasing for promotion and with the individual quality that Watford have is is a big plus. Um, and one of the things they need to do is just build back on solid foundations because, that, because that's something they haven't done over the last few weeks. So getting back to that principle is is really important. They need to stop drawing games, but these games it's fine to draw. It's the teams that are around them that are, unfortunately has dragged them into a bit of a relegation scare. Yeah, you mentioned how many draws they've had. They've actually lost as many games this season as Reading, which is impressive when one's yeah. 16th while the other one's 5th. Uh, but it, is a, it has been a torrid run of form for Millwall. Just one win in 15, but they've now won and drawn their last two. So it's a bit early to say they've turned a corner, but I think I agree with you. We're seeing positives, aren't they? The defence looks a lot better. Um, I mean, the Millwall defence has always been a pretty sturdy one, but it was looking a bit shaky during that poor run of form. It's just the going forwards, which is the real issue, isn't it? They, I think Gary Rowe is really struggling to nail down who he, who are his first choice attackers because he's been messing around with it all season. He can't find the best position for Jed Wallace to play. Uh, Kenneth Zahor, Troy Parrott, Bud Varson, these are all strikers who he's been rotating, trying to find out, trying to find one who's got at least a bit of form in them, and none of them have been clicking so far this season. So it's a frustrating 
time for Gary Rabbit, but you should hope that eventually they will find at least one striker who can find the back of the net and they'll start climbing the table. Speaking of strikers who can't find the back of the net, Deeney and Gray, I don't know why Watford are persisting with them really because it's clearly not working. Troy Deeney and Andre Gray, between them they've got one goal from open play this season and Mm -hmm. we keep seeing them play every single game and Watford fans are getting very frustrated with it. I completely understand it because they're offering pretty much nothing to games. In fact, this game in particular was like watching Vladimir Ivic's Watford again in the way that defensively they were perfect, but going forwards they just offered nothing. And I think that's not a jab at Isco Munoz. I think that's down to Dini and Gray just offering nothing, quite frankly. And I know this is hard to say, but they don't look particularly bothered up front. It's just a really sorry state of affairs there. And it's incredibly frustrating to watch considering we both know how talented they are as players but I don't think the desire necessarily matches the ability in this occasion yeah you're spot on they're paid the big money as well they're paid big big wages um, and they're not delivering um, I, I, it made me think back to um, when Watford first got promoted back in 2014-15 had um, Odin Nogalo, Matai Vidra um Forestieri wasn't at there at that point, but he was there the previous couple of seasons. And you look at those sorts of players where they're very technical players playing around Troy Deeney. Um, they're very technical players playing around Troy Deeney. And Andre Gray, unfortunately, isn't anywhere near that standard. Um, and I think that's where they're suffering. I, I just, it's, 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 it's a big man, little man partnership. But Andre Gray's only scored, you could probably count on one hand how many goals he's scored over the last. Um, season and a half, two seasons. I think he and scored one goal since lockdown, off the top of my head, which goes, says right. a lot. And I think even then, that was a deflected goal off his arse. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's something's not working. Then it's not working. Don't persist with it. Um, they their recruitment has been not strange, but it's very hard to put your finger on it because it's all through the Pozzos um, and Granada and Udinese, etc. Um, so I think that's that's part of the issue because. As I say, this partnership doesn't work. Um, it's not going to get fixed this season. It's going to stick, unfortunately. I don't see why they keep persisting with them when they've got João Pedro on the bench as well, who is a perfectly capable player at this level. He's scored a few goals this season. He's not necessarily been tearing it up, but he's just a young lad, and I'd rather see him get a chance than Dini and Gray, who are both getting on a bit now and <laughs> are not hitting the back of the net as much as they should be so um, I think Iskimunoz definitely needs to change it and unless they sign someone in January just go ahead with Jean Pedro because I'd much rather see him than two ageing strikers who have had better days haven't they right let's do a quick who knows wins Justin this is our league where you can win money by correctly predicting the results of championship games it's really easy to do just download the who knows wins app join our league guess the most correct results out of all the games in the championship the more people involved the bigger the prize so we'll quickly run through all the games coming up in the championship this weekend Justin we'll start with Reading Bournemouth which way you see that one going Ooh, Bournemouth on a poor run of form, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go towards Reading. I'm gonna say draw. Let's go to Norwich Borough. Norwich. It's gotta be Norwich, and it Cardiff Millwall. That's gotta be a humdinger, isn't it? Um draw. 
I'll I'll say Cardiff, you know. Blackburn, Luton. Blackburn. I think Blackburn as well. I've gone for a lot of home wins so far. Brentford, Wickham. <laughs> Brentford. Yeah, I Since think that's going to be Brentford, doesn't it? Derby, Bristol City. Ooh, draw. I'm going to say Bristol City. Chef Wednesday, Preston. Oh, God. I hate Preston. Um, I don't hate Preston, sorry. <laughs> They're really hard to nail down. Uh, so I'm going to say draw. I'm going to say Preston. Rotherham, Swansea. Swansea. I think Swansea as well. Birmingham, Cov. Cov. I'm going to say Birmingham. Draw. draw. Well, I mean, it's technically both the homes. Forest uh, <laughs> Barnsley. Um, mm, uh, I'm going to back Barnsley to get out of this run of form. I will also back Barnsley and Huddersfield Stoke. I'm going to back Huddersfield to get a win. I'm going to say draw. So that's who knows wins. Make sure you join our league to win some big prizes. And yeah, that's pretty much it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Just before we go, I just wanted to say we've had some really nice reviews on Apple Podcasts recently (laughs) and we encourage them to happen a lot more often. I mean, we we don't usually finish off these episodes with uh, us begging you to give us some appraise on an Apple podcast. But when we do get reviews like that, it does go a long way for us, doesn't it, Justin? And we put in a lot of work when it comes to this podcast, don't we? But when we get stuff like that, it helps a lot and also helps us grow as a podcast. So if you could take just a couple of minutes of your day or even just a minute of your day to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a retweet on Twitter, anything like that. It goes a long way for us and we would really appreciate it. So thank you if you do do it. Otherwise, that's it for us, Justin. Final update on your little toe, how is it? It's really sore. I'm really concerned at the moment. I don't obviously have to do anything, so if it's broken, it's broken. Don't have to go anywhere. Um, But ideally, don't want it to be broken, so we'll see. Mm, Fantastic. Put some ice on it. You'll be all right. Well... This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.